welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. My name is Bo Nicholson and I am joined by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman to discuss Luke Brooks's dropping, the best debut game of the NRL era, the awards for round 9, and some bold predictions for round 10. But first, a quiz. It's quiz time, and remember, no cheating. Question 1. Which of these players retired most recently? Scott Prince, Nathan Hindmarsh, or Darren Lockyer? Stay tuned for two more questions, and of course the answers. And now it's time for the Above the Horizontal Awards. Welcome to this week's episode of Above the Horizontal. My name is Bo Nicholson. I am joined, as always, by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman. And what we'd like to do first is jump into the Above the Horizontal Awards, which for this week is, of course, for round nine. We'll start with the bold predictions. My bold prediction was that Matt Dufty would score two tries as the Dragons downed the Seagulls. And pre-game, I have to admit, I was a little bit nervous when I saw there was a lot of rain and I thought, well, the Dragons won't get many tries against the Sea Eagles. Turns out they, it didn't just rain, it flooded tries uh, for the Dragons uh, in an unfortunate afternoon for the Sea Eagles, but Dufty only managed the one, therefore I am not correct. Kieran, your bold prediction was that no Queensland team would win this weekend. Uh, I'll give you 33% correct on that one. What do you reckon? Yeah, that's, that's a, a pretty pretty fair, well, that's a very accurate percentage, and it looked all right Thursday night, but um, yeah, the Titans and the Broncos got up, which was actually nice to see. Um, as a Queenslander, it was good to see some Queensland teams getting up, but uh, it looks like my uh, early streak of winning the bold prediction has um, truly been snapped, and it's not coming back anytime soon. Speaking of Queensland teams, Miles, uh, you predicted that Har- Herbie Farnworth would score two tries in a big pressure-relieving win for the Broncos. Now, the Broncos did relieve that pressure, but Mr. Farnworth did not get two tries. He did not. Um, he must have been feeling a little bit generous on this occasion because he let his wing, Jermaine Asako, score the double there on that occasion. So, uh, well done to the Broncos, but... Uh, no dice for Herbie, unfortunately. So who wins the best bold prediction this week then? I, I, I think pretty much none of us did. I think, Kieran, you were the furthest away. Uh, yeah. uh, maybe me and Miles can take a, a moral victory on this one, but no clear winner this time. Oh, Bo, I'm happy to kind of slide the pot your way. I think uh, you sort of nailed three out of your four uh, aspects of your prediction. So I think it's your win. Oh, thank you very much. I'll take it. I'll take anything I can get. Um, okay, the next award is for best match of the round. Uh, gentlemen, I'm going to sit this uh, the rest of the awards out because I actually did not see any football this weekend. I was uh, on a holiday. So, uh, Miles, what was your best match of the round? Well, my best match of the round was the Titans versus Warriors. I thought it was a pretty snoozeworthy round of footy, I must say. So, I don't think you missed... Uh, a whole lot, Bo. But look, it was it was good regardless to see the young battling Titans get a win, even at the expense of the, the equally struggling Warriors. But no, the Titans gave a good account of themselves and they've they've had a few wins now this year, so it looks like they're heading in the right direction. I am glad to see that. The Titans have struggled for a, a little while now. Uh, Kieran, what was your best match of the round? 
Uh, I too had the Titans and Warriors game. It was one of the, the few games that I actually got to see on the weekend, but I thought it showed shades of what the Titans can bring and what they've shown in patches throughout previous games. I like Jamal Fogarty's game um, on Friday night, and uh, yeah, the Warriors really, really brought it to them. Um, you could see that with uh, Parsi and a few others playing one of their, their second last games before they head back to New Zealand, you could see how much they wanted to win, and uh, the Titans really stood up. I, I'll beat, it was a, a bottom-of-the-table game, but um, it was quality, and uh, the Titans um, showed some uh, winning resolve. Very good to see indeed. And I, I am happy for Jamal Fogarty. It's been a long road for him uh, through the Intrust Super Cup in Queensland and some reserve grade teams uh, in other NRL clubs to finally get his chance at a starting number seven jersey. And, and he's making a good account of himself. Uh, Kieran, what's your best moment of the round? Um, I had Charlie Staines four tries on debut, which was only topped by his local pub messaging the world through Facebook, let the beer flow, go Charlie, you little ripper, offering a free beer to every patron <laughs> for every try that Charlie scored. And by oh, the wow. time he'd sc- oh, yeah, yeah. By the time he'd scored his third try, the pub actually wrote, No more free beer, stop scoring <laughs> tries, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's excellent. Uh, and, and well done to Charlie Staines, only 19 years old. Uh, I heard that he was absolutely quicksilver. Miles, what was your best moment of round nine? <laughs> well, I was, I was about to say, only in a place like Forbes, New South Wales, could you get away with that sort of thing where I don't think liquor and gaming exists out there. Um, we know that, uh, of course, giving away alcohol absolutely against the law but uh, i digress um my um, my best moment of the round is actually similar to jamal fogarty in a way uh Matt Cavallo, who's who's come in uh, last week from the the nrl wilderness and scored five tries against the cowboys sorry about that boys but um look not, not only does it show you i think how valuable each and every player is in your top 30 but it also kind of shows you just how talented and deep the best teams are and, of course, uh, <laughs> I'm going to get my soapbox here, and it, it further proves my point about uh, how wings, I believe, are fool's gold and I think literally probably the w- most worthless players in the field. When you can pluck a guy like Matt Cavallo from second grade and he shows up and scores five tries on the day, uh, I don't think how you can... Uh, I mean, I think the Eels should probably show Marcus Sivo the tape of this game next time he comes asking for his, his paychecks. So um, that's my thoughts on that. That is a controversial take in and of itself. Uh, maybe we should uh, save that one in the bank for another week. Gentlemen, worst moment of the round. I'll start with you, Miles. Look, my worst moment of the round was the actually the entire Eels versus Knights game. Uh, look, it started out hot, but I think this is probably the people's choice for the best game of the week, and it ended up as a total fizzer. Um, the Eels would have probably loved their hard-fought, unglamorous win, but... The fans certainly did not. It was a bit of a shame that one kind of flopped. And Kieran, what was your worst moment of the round? Um, I had the the Warriors for being forced to make them look themselves look silly with their on field kit. Um, you could see before the game, <laughs> few a few of the players struggling to even even get the jersey on. But you you wouldn't blame them for uh, pretending because they didn't want to wear the jersey. It just looked that ugly, and uh, yeah, it uh, it didn't certainly didn't help with their performance. Okay, so the next award is for MVP. Kieran, I'm assuming it's not going to go to whoever designed the Warriors kit for this round? <laughs> no, no, it's actually, it's gone to Nathan Brown for showing that anything that Tamalolo can do, so can Brown, or at least for a week. Um, Tamalolo is a, another specimen altogether, though. 
Um, Brown finished the game with 266 metres gained and 55 tackles for just two misses in what was, as Miles said, a, a, a pretty uh, a poor game. But um, there were some huge performances in that, and I thought Brown probably topped them all. It's interesting. I, I saw on the locker room that uh, Denon Kemp described it as Tamalolo-like. Those are Tamalolo numbers. And I'm like, no, they're not, because Tamalolo never makes 50 tackles in a game, ever. Uh, it was... Yeah. Pretty incredible to do both the meterage and the tackles. Miles, who is your MVP? Well, I think we can uh, shut the folder on this one. Mine was Nathan Brown too. Oh, fantastic. Same reasons, I'm guessing? Absolutely. It was an incredible game from Nathan Brown, and I will add to that. Um, I think in such a forward-centric game, of course, it was a bit wet up there in in Newcastle. Uh, To stand out the way he did... um, amongst a bunch of impressive forwards was really incredible. And who is the unsung hero of the round for you, Miles? Well, I've gone with... Uh, it's This guy just can't stop winning awards, Kenny. It's it's Nathan Cleary for me. Um, <laughs> giving him my MVP a, a few weeks in a row, but he's getting unsung this week. Um, I think he knew himself from the opening moments of this game that his teammates were going to be the players to shine in this one. Um the, of course, the the Charlie Staines and, the of course, Stephen Crichton as well. And Viliami Kikau was good. So I think the to sit back and, and conduct the team the way he did to perfection was, was really impressive, um, even though he probably won't be the most talked about player from that game. And, look, he also nailed 8 out of, eight out of, eight out of 10, I think, or 8 out of 11 with the boot, and that's not too bad either. Some Fred Astaire footwork right there. Um, <laughs> stay Kieran, tuned. Stay, oh, wow, okay. Um Kieran, who is your unsung hero? Uh, I had Reed Marnie in that same Knights and Eels game. Um, whilst RCG and Brown collected many of the plaudits, it was the I thought it was the upcoming rake that um, really um, did did the a lot of the hard grunt work, but didn't probably get the same sort of plaudits as I was alluding to. Um, and Dash the Knights' hopes of putting more than one win together for the first time since round two, which was a, another interesting sort of. Um, stat to come out of that game it was typical industrious work with brilliant passing a high tackle count with 66 tackles made for just one miss complemented by his excellent support play that makes it two unsung hero awards in a row for reed barney after i gave it to him last week gentlemen uh my favorite time of the award ceremony is the wild card award where we each get to pick one award uh and it can be completely random uh something that we've never heard of before uh, Kieran, if you have a wild card for this week. I do, and it's something we haven't heard before. I've got the, the Daniel Handler Award for a series of unfortunate events, which goes to Ryan Hall. <laughs> 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 Go on. It's uh, It's been um, uh, a long ride for Hall, although he has had a lot of success at Leeds, but ever since coming to the Roosters in the 2018 season... Hall's played just nine games for zero tries, and this streak continued on Thursday night, even after his opposing winger, Bemars, went down in the uh, lead-up to the game. Um, however, his replacement, um, Matt Ikevalu, scored five, and Hall was left to rue a late forward pass that would have given him his first try, although he did um, take it in great spirit with a, a bit of a laugh at himself um, after that try was ruled out. Yeah, I've got to say, uh, that was... Uh, one of the very few games that I sadly watched was the Cowboys game. And that was a great moment that where he, <laughs> where he had that try disallowed yeah. and he was, he was having a good laugh about it. Miles, what is your wildcard award? Did you end up going with a Fred Astaire award? 
That I did. Um, that's two in a row for me. Um, and my Fred Astaire award goes to Ryan Pappenhausen. Uh, they say that balance is the most underrated physical attribute that an athlete can possess. And look, I, I think we've all seen this, even though you didn't see any or, or not too much rugby league on the weekend, Bo. Um, how Pap managed to stay in the in the field and on his feet to to scoop up and and score off what was admittedly, I think, a pretty good George Williams kick was really incredible. I don't think that cat-like goes far enough for this young man. It's interesting. I saw a tweet uh, the other day saying that when faced with having Scott Drinkwater and Ryan Pappenhausen in the same squad, Bellamy landed on Pappenhausen when all the indicators seem to be Drinkwater. And it's just it's remarkable. Like, Drinkwater's a good player, and he's, he's playing okay for the Cowboys, albeit not great on... Thursday, but Pappenhausen's gone to another level, hasn't he? So it's it's again proving Craig Bellamy to be right. Um, guys, we're going to take a short break. Thank you very much for your award nominations this week. We're going to go to quiz question number two, and then the big question, will dropping Luke Brooks to the bench reinvigorate the Tigers? Back soon. It's quiz time, and remember, no cheating. Question two. Who scored the very first try in State of Origin football in 1980? Stick around for the rest of the quiz and of course the answers. And now it's time for the big question. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. How'd you go with quiz question number two? Let us know in the comments on social media, of course, if you can. Uh, we'd love to hear how you went. Now, my name is Bo Nicholson, and I'm joined, as always, by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman, and we are about to answer the big question, which this week is, will dropping Luke Brooks to the bench reinvigorate the Tigers? It was interesting to see, uh, after they put so much faith in Luke Brooks' and Josh Reynolds, uh, and they got some pretty decent results initially, the Tigers, but a couple of narrow losses, uh, particularly losing to the Rabbitohs on Friday night, seems to have stirred up Michael Maguire, who has opted to put Luke Brooks on the bench, with Benji Marshall starting at halfback, and Billy Walters coming into the side at 5.8. And the question is, that I put to you, Miles, is that the right move? Well, look, I think we need to sort of look at this holistically because I think it's pretty clear the Tigers aren't, um, or if they are, they're not as in win-now win mode as some other clubs. So uh, I think, look, we're in we're now in year seven of the the Luke Brooks era, if you will, or, or if you don't like that, perhaps more aptly named the post-Tim Machines era. Mm-hmm. And I think not only has, has Brooks played his way out of this team, but... I think that the team itself has really failed to equip this young man with the support of um, a, a good playing roster or a coach, for that matter, needed for success. Uh, I think we started to see a little bit of it with Ivan Cleary, um, which is, I think, when Brooks won his Halfback of the Year award at the Dally M's. I think it was 2018. Um, but then, of course, Cleary realised that he'd made a, a bit of a mess of the rest of the roster, and so he kind of grabbed his golden parachute and landed back at the Panthers. And and now the the coach is Michael Maguire, and I, I think he needs to, I think he he needs to make a decision on whether Luke Brooks is the now, or, or I guess the future or the past of this team. He's he's got three seasons left after this, on his contract as Brooks. But 
I think that if Maguire is is bold enough to drop the kid, or, or not drop but bench, he he needs to be bold enough to make the call on his future, and and that is whether he can look for another club or or put his put the team and the, the support ne- networks around him to succeed. So I think you know whether that's um, finding him a, him a good halves coach or or whatever it is, um, or, or showing him the door at Concord Oval, I think Maguire needs to make that decision now with this dropping. It's very interesting that we're talking about um, whether... Uh, so that you're saying that the Tigers are not a club currently that are playing for now results as much as they are trying to build towards something. Uh, so it's interesting that they've dropped their 26, 27-year-old halfback who's had good and bad games and good and bad seasons for Benji Marshall, who's just sat on the pine for a month and is, what, 35? Uh, it's in, That's an interesting way to build for your future. Is So do, do you see that as a good move or, or are, you, are you just more just stunned by the, by the move? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I think Brooks was sort of on the timeline of that um, Woods Moses uh, Tedesco sort of era of Tigers, and I think if the the club, well, obviously if the club had it their way, uh, all four would be uh, in the midst of winning premierships now. But that's not the case, and what you kind of have is obviously the Benji Marshalls and Chris Lawrences and leftovers of that that Tim Sheens era, and then you have um, the. I guess the Cleary Maguire era players, and you've got Luke Brooks sort of in the middle. So, look to answer your question more directly, taking that all in holistically, I think they need to make a decision as to to whether kind of write this season off a little bit and say, you know, Benji, you can play this one out because you are the better halfback, and and show Brooks the door, or really put the ball in Brooks's hands here and say, you had a bad game, you've probably had a a bit of a bad season, but you're going to ride this one out because you're our future. So, um, and the contract is the big one here because it's through the end of 2023, and that's that's a long time. That's I think around the same time that um, uh, Seabold's contract ends, and we need to remember, you know, oh, everyone was all up in arms about, well, you can't pay out Seabold, you know, you can't find a new hold for, home for him. Well, Brooks is in a similar position, so you really need to kind of say, look, we're going to pay you to go away or, or pay another club to, to take you off our hands or we are going to back you because I, I don't think that just probably benching him for a few weeks is really going to be the right call for this kid. Kieran, what's what's your read on all that? Uh, I'd have to agree with everything Miles has just said. Um, as Miles said, the Tigers are trying to build towards a premiership and if they, they decide to, to keep Brooks but they want to bench him, um, is that really going to, to rediscover his form um, and sort of build them towards a, a premiership with him as the, the ring leader, I guess, um, if you will. And if you look back at the, the past, um, I don't know, probably 20 years of grand finals, I don't think you would see a single half, at least one half, um, in all of those grand final winning sides where the at least one of those have is a very dominant player and can take the game by the scruff of the neck. And I think we could all agree that Brooks is not really that player, at least not consistently. He's got games and patches here and there, as Miles also said. Um, I kind of think it's probably time to show Brooks the door. He's not... Uh, Michael Maguire's been brought in and he's been very vocal about bringing the Tigers back um, into the finals and bringing them back success. 
I, I don't believe Brooks is your man to do, to do, to lead the Tigers um, into that era. So what do we do with Luke Brooks then? Because as as Miles said, he, he has a significant contract at his back. Uh, and the, the other thing he has in his favor is the fact that realistically, uh, there aren't a whole lot of NRL quality, proven NRL quality halfbacks running around at the moment. Um, like we've, we've already talked about how the Broncos have taken a, a storm left over and, and that hasn't worked out the best for them so far. The Cowboys have got a mix between like Jake Clifford, who could be an option for the future, or Michael Morgan might slot in there at halfback when he comes back. Um, the Titans have thrown Jamal Fogarty in there because Ash Taylor wasn't cutting the mustard. Like, who are the Tigers going to if 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 Luke Brooks is not the answer and Benji Marshall is not a long term answer and Josh Reynolds is probably not a long term answer as a halfback? Billy Walters is not really a halfback either. You could, you could have a, a a combination of Josh Reynolds and Billy Walters, but both those guys are running halves. I, I do think they need a game manager. At the moment, they have that in Harry Grant somewhat. Uh, he's sort of made of the same mold of a, as a Cameron Smith or a Josh Hodgson, and he can control a, a fixture. But is he papering over those cracks in Luke Brooks's game? Maybe he is, but like, where else are they finding? an NRL standard halfback are they are they going to the Super League because Miles I, I can't I can't think of anyone else ready to go yeah it's a good point well um, is that you know the, the availability of these guys also isn't exactly paramount and look if if you were to force me to come down one way or on, on the other I think the sunk cost of the contract is there with Brooks so I think unless a clear and obvious replacement comes around or or someone wants to make you look like a genius and, and take Brooks off their off your hands, or or swap you, or, or do some sort of voodoo kind of shtick. <laughs> I think you have to ride out with Brooks because you you have invested the money in him, you've invested the time in him as well, and he has shown to have had good seasons, and he has shown to have had good seasons without really a great team around him. So uh, yes, he was bad on on um, on Friday uh, when they played the Rabbitohs, and yes, he's not been great all year, but I think that he can still be great. Uh, I mean, Michael McGuire's worked with a, a similar-ish player in, in Adam Reynolds. So, look, maybe um, they just need to build that support network around him and, and find him a halves coach like an Andrew Johns or something like that that can come and give him a bit of a hand. I, I, I think back to a, a cricket analogy where uh, Shane Warne was once dropped by Steve Waugh and... That was a bit crazy because that was about six or seven years in, actually more like eight or nine years into Shane Warne's international career. Uh, he was already the best leg spinner in the world, arguably of all time, at that time. And Steve Waugh had the courage to drop him because he wasn't quite there. He wasn't in the best 11 for that team to win that game. And Australia did go on to win that game. And I think history has sort of shown that Shane Warne came out of that Yes, a bit bitter and all that sort of thing. And Steve Waugh came out of it pretty well, really, didn't he? Like, But the thing is, Shane Warne also eventually came out of it really well. He became undoubtedly the best leg spinner we've ever seen. So good players, if they get benched, can come out of it better. Is Luke Brooks a good enough player to do that? I'm not sure. I do think it will have a positive impact immediately for the Tigers, but thank you both 
for your thoughts. We're going to take a quick little break and go to quiz question number three before we come back with our controversial take, maybe somewhat controversial at least, that Charlie Staines' debut is not the best debut from an NRL player. Back soon. It's quiz time, and remember, no cheating. Question three. How many regular season NRL games had Kalen Ponga played when he signed on the dotted line to move from North Queensland to Newcastle? Stick around right to the end to hear the answers. And now it's time for the controversial take. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. My name is Bo Nicholson. I'm joined, as always, by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman. And we are about to dive into a somewhat controversial take this week that Charlie Staines, after his fantastic four-try debut against the Cronulla Sharks, is not the best debut from an NRL player. Now, it's a pretty impressive debut, gents, so it's, it's probably a fairly ballsy thing to say, but... And considering we just spoke about Luke Brooks, I thought it might be nice to reflect on Luke Brooks's debut in round 23 of 2013, where he was up against the Dragons at the SCG, and he was only 19 years old. He forced several repeat sets, uh, a couple of try assists, a brilliant team try that he finished off himself as well. I remember seeing that game and thinking, oh, this kid's something. And I think, even though we just spoke about how he hasn't really he hasn't really achieved his potential, Luke Brooks, but after that debut, I was in awe of his potential and his abilities, and I wasn't alone. I remember Andrew Johns was also very favourable. Um, Andrew Johns went in on Luke Brooks. Matt Johns went in on Ash Taylor. So far, I'd probably say Andrew closer to the mark than Matthew on that one. <laughs> Miles, you uh, you had a very memorable debut lined up as well, if memory serves. Absolutely. Um, look, my my pitch for this would be Corey Norman, who, uh, like Brooks, came into the Broncos team at nineteen. Uh, obviously, Brooks came into the Tigers team, but um, yeah, he came to the Broncos team. It was twenty ten, and it was also with a ton of fanfare, like Brooks's debut. Uh, and he was also incredible. He set up three tries in the Broncos' win, and he also saved three others as well, which is perhaps most impressive. Uh, he saved a try on Scott Bolton, one on Michael Barney, and one on Luke O'Donnell. And they, those are three of the probably the biggest guys in the field. So, look, he was not overawed at all by um, his debut, as I said, at, for the Broncos at Suncorp Stadium week one as well, in front of maybe their biggest rivals at the time. So... Uh, my pitch for that would be Corey Norman. I I hate that I have to remember that game because it, you're right. He did save a few tries as well as setting up a few. He was super impressive, and the Cowboys only lost by six in the end. They were twenty nil behind at half time, if memory serves. Um, and they only lost by six, and a lot of it was Corey Norman. A lot of people give Corey Norman a hard time, and as far as I'm concerned, first impressions last. I. Forever, when I think of Corey Norman, I think of that game, and I think of how good he is, um, and I think that's a damn good nomination. Kieran, who have you got for best NRL debut? Um, I don't know if it's the, the best after hearing your guys, but it's definitely the most uh, memorable. 
um, in my time watching the NRL. I've got uh, Jordan Atkins. Um, you hear NRL players saying how pr- proud they are to make just uh, just to make first grade and play for a team and just play that one game in the NRL that no one can take away from them. Um, and yeah, I just think when you look at uh, what Jordan Atkins did in the in his first game, scored four tries, much like Charlie Staines on the weekend. Um, and Jordan Atkins got those four tries up against the Cowboys. It, it stands as one of the best NRL debuts that I have in the memory bank. Um, in particular, his second try, which was really special, I thought. Staying composed enough to, to ground the ball, a la just about every winger in the NRL these days with their stupendous put-downs, as he was almost shoved out of the field, only to plant the ball down millimetres inside the grass. Having been also pushed in the air, which is uh, also now a penalty in the NRL, um, it was a big win for the Titans and a big win for Atkins as he went home, a happy man with with four and a debut to remember. It's uh, another bad one for the Cowboys, as you mentioned. I, I do remember <laughs> that one, 2008. It's actually quite a handy uh, trivia question, this one. is uh, Only four players now have scored four tries on debut, obviously Charlie Staines and obviously Jordan Atkins, as you mentioned. The other two... I've never heard of Tony Nash in 1942 and Jono Stunts, S-T-U-N-T-Z. Sounds like, sounds like Evil Knievel's long lost brother or something, Johnny, Jono Stunts back in 1908. Um, so, um, as it turns out, uh, Jordan Atkins only went on to score a further seven tries in the NRL, making 11 total. But one thing I did like about Charlie Staines' performance the other night, obviously I didn't see it, but I heard a lot of the feedback was that it brought the saying hasn't happened since Jordan Atkins back into, back into the, back, <laughs> back into the collective, uh, which I, which I really, really enjoyed. Thank you, gentlemen. I look, if I can be the judge on this one, all three of us actually at some point or another mentioned Corey Norman as our nomination. So I'm going to go with miles on this one. If that's all right with you, Kieran, I yeah. think Corey Norman was brilliant in that game in 2010 so well done miles you can you can have the chocolates on this one thank you very much all right let's get into the tips for round 10 uh much as quickly just mentioned that the round nine results uh kieran you got five correct and so did i while miles while miles got seven he was going so so well until the dragons beat the seagulls and when i say beat i mean destroyed so <laughs> miles so close but yet so far to a perfect round um but uh, if all the listeners can keep in mind when i say all the listeners please we're only a very humble podcast of course yeah. but if we can keep in mind that miles is the superior tipper at least in form uh when paying attention to our tips speaking of that though i'm gonna go with kieran instead uh, for the first game, which is between the Roosters and the Raiders on Thursday night. Now, at the start of the year, this would have been billed as a huge, huge battle, but recent injury woes may uh, may hurt the Raiders here, Kieran. Indeed. Um, the, the Roosters, just following on from last week, bounced back in a big way in Townsville without Brett Morris, Radley, and Cordner, although they have Morris and Cordner back for this one. The Raiders are without um, probably their their biggest attacking threat, or arguably at least in uh, Josh Hodgson. Um, they're also without Corey Horsborg. Um, Curtis Scott's down on form after his early 
early season or before the season uh, run in with the police. Um, he's on the bench. There's just a number of players out. Um, and as you alluded to it, the ro- Roosters have the, uh, the much stronger um, team on paper for this one. The Raiders still have a dearth of talent to call on, and I wouldn't completely rule out the upset, but I don't believe we'll see their mid-season form funk snapped here um, with the Roosters a class above, Roosters to win. I'm with you. What do you reckon, Miles? Yeah, no complaints here. Roosters from me too. All right. If you can take us through the Storm and the Titans on Friday evening, please, Miles. Yeah, look, the, the Titans always give a, a good account of themselves against the Storm, um, but there's also, unfortunately, usually always come up short, uh, apart from once, I think, a few years ago, or maybe even last year. But, uh, look, anyway, I expect this to be much of the same, um, especially with Cameron Munster back in the team for the Storm. So I'm going for the Storm here. Ominous signs for the Titans with Munster back. I'm going for the Storm. Kieran, I, are you going to go for Queensland teams this week or are going to go to the Storm? <laughs> No, I've got to go for the Storm, despite Miles um, touching on the Titans being somewhat of a, a bogey side. I'm, I'm going with the Storm. Yeah, no, 100%. Storm should get the chocolates there. The other Friday night game is between the West Tigers and the Broncos. After going to, down to the Rabbitohs, Michael Maguire has pulled a big move, as we discussed, dropping Luke Brooks to the interchange bench and starting with an all-new halves pairing. Uh, with Benji Marshall and Billy Walters. Of course, Josh Reynolds is also out suspended. Reese Hoffman, Michael Cheekham, Elijah Taylor are other casualties with Tommy Talau, Russell Packer, Sam McIntyre, and Chris McQueen working their way back into the 17. The Broncos have picked the same team after their confidence-boosting victory over the Bulldogs, with the exception of skipper Alex Glenn being out with injury, allowing Joe Offerhengawe to come back into the side from suspension. Frankly, I've liked the way the Tigers have played, and I can't help but think Marshall will have a point to prove after being sat for a month. So I'm going to go for the Tigers. Miles, what do you reckon? I'm going to go for the Tigers in this one as well. I still think that they've been good despite recent results. So uh, I think the Tigers will win this one. And Kieran? Yeah, I think uh, Harry Grant um, will probably have another big game. He's been continuing on even. Uh, despite the lack of form for the Tigers or despite of um, their, them winning games. Um, yeah, I think the Tigers will win. Yeah, I, he's he's been really something quite special, hasn't he? Uh, so you got the next game, which is the Saturday afternoon game between the Dragons and the Bulldogs, please, Kieran. Uh, Jason Saab comes in in this one for Jordan Pereira, who is out, whilst the Dogs have put Mini to fullback and Dallin Wittesny Zelezniak on the wing. Um, I love what I saw from the Dragons on Sunday. Uh, they stayed in the arm wrestle at beat, helped by a DCE shocker of a game, and then blew the understrength Seagulls away. Um, the Dogs, meanwhile, lost to the Broncos, the only club arguably, arguably travelling just as poorly as they were, given their respective squads. Um, Adam Clune's Robin role to, to Batman uh, Corey Norman continued once more, creating uh, a beautiful try for Norman in the closing stages, and the Dragons' backline actually looks dangerous again after an insipid start to the season. I just feel that the Dragons have far too much firepower compared to their counterparts, and I'm, I'm predicting the Dragons by 12 or more. Hard to argue with that. I, I couldn't believe how silly Jordan Pereira was getting suspended 
after the siren. Um, that, that is just... Yeah. Your team's winning by 30 points. That is batshit crazy stuff. Uh, but I still <laughs> do think the Dragons have got this one. Miles, are we going to be just really boring and agree with each other on everything? Well, I agree with you there about Jordan Pereira. And just to shit on wings once more before this podcast <laughs> is over, the absolute worst thing in the league, in any, in any grade of rugby league, I think, is a wing who gives away penalties. But... Yeah, look, uh, I'm going with the Dragons here too. All right, let's see if we can get a different result here. We've got a, a tighter-looking game between the Rabbitohs and the Knights, if you could please, Miles. Um, I suspect we may get a different result. Um, I, I think the last few weeks, the, the Rabbitohs' defense has actually really toughened up, which, uh, of course, a credit to Wayne Bennett, but he doesn't really need any of my plaudits, of course. Um, the Knights' offense, I think, as well, has faltered a bit. Um, obviously there was, uh, it was raining on the weekend, so that does scupper plans a little bit, but still, I think that, um, despite South Sydney missing Latrell Mitchell for this game, I believe, uh, I think that they're, that all that means is that they're as good as players Mitchell is. I think their best fullback is playing number one this week, which is Alex Johnston. Um, so I am going to tip the Rabbitohs in an upset here. Ooh. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go for the Knights. We've we've finally disagreed on something there. Uh, I, I think I think Latrell Mitchell is a big loss, and I do like Alex Johnson as a fullback. I just think Matt Mitchell has that touch of extra class, uh, and moving Johnson, and then also losing Campbell Graham as well, weakens their outside backs just a little bit. Although it gives a debut to Jackson Parlow, and, and and good luck to him. Kieran, who are you backing in the Rabbitohs or the Knights? Uh, I've got the Knights. I, th- I think I touched on earlier in the podcast that the, the Knights hadn't strung more than two together um, since the start of actually the first two games of the season. And I think they kind of need to go on a bit of a run now. Um, they are in the eight, uh, but I think that they probably feel that they're at least a top six side and they'll want to push on now. I've got the Knights. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, the final game on Saturday is the Seagulls and the Eels. The Seagulls are in a bit of a spin at the moment and it doesn't look likely they were coming out of it anytime soon morgan boyle drops out with a groin injury making way for Corey waddell in the 17 the eels are flying high but stumbled over the line against the knights still even when they aren't great they are getting the job done and i expect that to be the case here miles sea eagles or eels it's got to be Eels for me. I think they've shown themselves to be by far the classiest team in the competition. Yeah, hard to argue with that, Kieran. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to echo just what Miles said. Um, I think they're the, the classiest side and the, the Seagulls are, are without their main man. I've got to go the Eels. Yeah, it was really disappointing to see DCE have such a disappointing game when they needed them the most too. So uh, yeah, Eels look a pretty good one there. Uh, Kieran, if you could take the Warriors and the Sharks, please. Um, so Nicarima returns for the Warriors in this one with um, Molotalo is back in for the Sharks, pushing Mac- uh, Nene McDonald out of the side. Um, the Warriors, off a tough loss to the Titans, are playing with Fusatua, Mamalo, and Ignatius Parsi for the last time before they head back to New Zealand. Um, whilst the Sharks were brought back down to earth at the hands of the Panthers, the Warriors um, look like a team that play together, but they also look down on confidence and spirit, and it's not surprising given their situation. So for those reasons, and the Sharks having the better roster, I've got the Sharks winning this one. Me too, for the exact same reasons. Hard to go past them. Miles? 
Look, I thought about the Warriors here, given how poor that the Sharks have been lately, despite that um, that recent little winning run. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they won, but no, I've even though they've tempted me, I've gone with the Sharks. All right, and you have the final game, which is the Panthers and the Cowboys, please. Indeed. Uh, look, nothing about these clubs past few weeks has me thinking anything other than a, a Panthers win here. Sorry, guys. Um, and I think, uh, as you'll agree, um, adding in a missing Scott Drinkwater mm. and Valentine Holmes also is uh, makes this an even easier call than it perhaps initially was. It's, uh, of course, the Panthers. I mean, um, yes, of course, the Panthers. At the start of the season, it may well have seemed like an interesting game, but as you say, results dictate this absolutely should be the Panthers. Um, so I'm going to go with them, obviously. Kieran, um, do you have a read on why Scott Drinkwater's out? Has he been dropped or is he injured or something? Um, NRL is saying it's an MCL injury, although I'd be, I'll would be i be watching uh, Paul Green's uh, going through the team list um, today and I'll, I'd, I'd like to hear what he has to say on Scott Drinkwater because I didn't recall him getting an injury um, in that game. So unless it's been since then or it was just something he carried throughout the game, uh, I don't know. But... Um, yeah, I, I think if the Panthers, they could probably still afford a couple of injuries in this game and not to add um, insults to the Cowboys, but I, I still don't think that they could win the match. I've got the Panthers. I'm not sure how many injuries there needs to be for a forfeit, but <laughs> it would probably need to be that many injuries <laughs> to, be, to uh, the way things are going. And, you know, now that we've all just gone on record saying the Panthers are going to shit on the Cowboys, you watch. It'll be like 26-0 at halftime. Uh, Knights versus Cowboys all over. <laughs> uh, but that is a bold prediction, even too bold for me. I'm not going to throw that one. Instead, gentlemen, I've got a different one for you. Both Michael Jennings and Mike Sivo will make at least five tackle breaks as the Eels pepper Moses Suley on the Seagulls' right edge. So Jennings and Mike Acevo to both make at least five tackle breaks. Miles, what is your bold prediction? I've, uh, I think I've gone a little bit more conservative than you on the, the balance of things here, Bo. I've got Marshall and Walters releasing the Tigers from... Brooks mediocrity, uh, and I'm, I'm going to go for them combining for one try and two try assists in a Tigers win. So chop that up how you want, but one try and two try assists from the Tigers halves pairing. I like it. And Kieran, what is your bold prediction? Uh, I've got the, the Panthers back line combining for at least four tries. So that's the same as Miles. Chop that um, up however you like. Um, but I've got, yeah, four tries from any of the, the five backline players against the Cowboys. To be clear, that's not four tries each because that could very well be on the cards here. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, the you're, not including the, you're not including the halves in that either? No, no, just those back five, yep. Yeah. So what... So Numbers one to five, four tries between them. Looks very possible, um, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for today's episode uh, and happy rugby league viewing this weekend. Go the Cowboys. Go the Cowboys. <laughs> Go the Leeds Rhinos. <laughs> <laughs>
Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Your regular panellists are Miles Steadman and Kieran Gibson. Our theme song is Tough Nut by Ryan Cross. I'm Bo Nicholson. Hey, thanks for sticking around. You've earned yourself some answers to the earlier quiz questions. Question one, which of these players retired most recently out of Scott Prince, Nathan Hindmarsh, or Darren Lockyer? Well, Darren Lockyer retired in 2011, Nathan Hindmarsh, 2012, and the answer is Scott Prince, who retired in 2013 with one last season for the Brisbane Broncos. Question two, who scored the very first try in State of Origin? It's sometimes easy to forget because Queensland won that first game in 1980, that Greg Brentnell from New South Wales was the first try scorer in State of Origin. In question three, how many regular season NRL games had Kalen Ponga played when he signed on the dotted line to move from North Queensland to Newcastle? The answer is zero. It's a bit of a trick question. He'd played two finals games, but no regular season games when he signed on with the Knights before playing another season in Townsville for the Cowboys. Thanks for listening.